I'm Carrington Vanston. I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic, 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 classic arcade podcast. Did you like my echo effect, Mike? That was awesome. <laughs> it was done all analog, baby. <laughs> I'm old school that way. You fooled me. <laughs> I bet you I did. So how is life in Mike McGinnis land? Um, it's pretty good, Carrington. How are things up in the great white north? Oh, things are always up, uh, always amazing up in the Great White North. We don't we don't let most of our news leave our borders or other countries. Everybody that lives there would want to move here, and we're hoarding all the wonderful things we've got. We've got rainbows with pots of gold, and we've got magical unicorns, and every video game is free. And, and that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg of what's amazing in Canada, Mike. <laughs> well, I resent you for that. <laughs> And we've got metric, so there. <laughs> well, can't beat that. <laughs> Every, everyone else but you has metric. I know. It's sort of embarrassing. <laughs> and we have a band called Metric. So uh, let's talk video games, Mike. I want to talk about video games. I want to talk about the people who have talked to us about video games. Is that what we do here? <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> and we got feedback. We got feedback from a fellow named Yan Thompson. He wrote in with uh, a question for us. Well, mostly probably a question for you. I think you know more about this than me, but we'll see. We'll see if I can contribute. He wanted to know if we had, what does it say here? Uh, any pointers for a good all-round USB HID compatible arcade type joystick for use with MAME? And he says, uh, I can't really fit a MAME cabinet into my computing layer, and I can't really be bothered to assemble one myself. <laughs> so something like the Namco arcade controller that I have for my PS1 would be ideal. He also said, keep up the good work and uh, do an episode on Rally X. I agree we should do an episode on Rally X. I like that. Now, I gave some thought to his question. And the only thing I could come up with was the X-Arcade stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I I know there are others, but I can't remember any at the moment so the only two suggestions i have are check out the xgaming.com site you can read about the tank stick and the uh x arcade duel both are expensive options i think for for what you get from them and i and i'm still using a borrowed x arcade tank stick that frankly i like less and less each week um and then my other thought was just go over to uh ultramark.com and uh, don't be so lazy and actually assemble one yourself. You can you can buy all the pieces and put one together really easily, and it would cost you a lot less. Those are those are my two thoughts. Uh, I don't think either of them are great thoughts, frankly. <laughs> so what about you, Mike? You have uh, you have one of the X Arcade thingies we've talked about before. You've got the Duel, right? Well, I've got the Duel, and I also have the Trackball. Um, You've got a Franken Duel. <laughs> well, no, this is the um, um, for a while X Arcade actually made a Trackball only. Um, controller, so it's oh. instead of the stick, it's it's just a ball in the middle with three or four buttons. Um, I have been described that way myself. Okay, <laughs> we won't, an image you didn't want. We won't go there today. <laughs> um, yeah, so so those are the two that I have. Um, I, I know that there's there was one called the Slick Stick, um, but I don't actually. That sounds know. like a rap name. It does. Um, I, I don't. I know that there are alternatives to the X-Arcade. I'm not familiar with any off the top of my head because it's very mm-hmm. early in the morning as we're recording this and I haven't had my <laughs> caffeine yet. It's early. My fault. I bumped this. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, if you search around for uh, X-Arcade alternatives, uh, I think you can find some. Now, I don't know if you're going to find any that are a whole lot cheaper if you buy them pre-made. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. I think the only way to do this economically is to wire one up yourself. But... In case like, a lot of a lot of people, the 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 idea of assembling or wiring up your own controller is really daunting because you're like, 
I, I'm not an electronics guy. I don't build computers in that sort of way. But it is seriously so much simpler than you think. These things really do sort of plug together. You get a, you get an iPack or something. There's no soldering involved. The the wire packs literally clip together. So you're just going to clip together your controller. But then it is about coming up with some sort of board that they can go. So it does involve a bit of drilling, I guess. Somebody should just really just sell a, a top board with all the holes pre-drilled. Um, and then you wouldn't even need tools other than a screwdriver to assemble these things. So I, w- I would suggest at least looking into that idea. Yeah. Yes. According to the build your own arcade controls wiki, uh, slick stick is out of business. They went oh. under in 2011, but if you go to wiki.arcadecontrols.com, they right. do have, uh, Quite a bit of um, knowledge and information there about building your own sticks. Nice. Okay, excellent. I will make sure that goes into the show notes, as will the X-Arcade stuff, as will the Altamark stuff. Oh, my goodness. There's so much for the show notes already. <laughs> oh, and also, you know what I also put in? Uh, Yan, in his footer for his email, he linked to a couple of things, including the C64 Takeaway podcast. He is a podcaster as well. So, hello, fellow podcaster. Now, they haven't, they did 51 episodes, but haven't updated since August. I cannot judge them for that, because I personally have a podcast I haven't updated in, like, a year. So... Eh, I know how it goes. And I know that Mike is a closeted, huge fan of the Commodore 64. Don't let him convince you otherwise, kids. This, so is, I'll this, put is, that this is slander. I'm suing you. <laughs> you. Stop lying. Stop, stop. Yes, it is true that Mike and I are both very much Apple II guys. <laughs> but I will link to the, po- the podcast of The Enemy anyway. Well, I don't have anything against Commodore. I just never had one growing up, so... I have something against Commodore. Sure. Why didn't Mike get to have one when he was growing up? <laughs> I blame you, Commodore. Uh, anyway. Did we get other feedback, Mike? Oh, we did. Was it good feedback? It, well, this one is, yes. Okay. Uh, Randall Gawking, who likes to uh, post a lot on our Facebook webpage, said mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about um, arcade cabinets a little bit last time and swapping out sticks and things like that. and. Uh, Randall said, I did a similar idea with the PS2. I put it in an empty used kangaroo cabinet, bought a spare LCD TV and an XRK dual stick, which fit the cabinet control area perfectly uh, with the various PS2 compilation discs. Really easy for me to say. Various PS2 compilation discs by Namco, Capcom, Taito, etc. I have nearly 300 games to play. Much less than main, but it suits me fine. So there Totally, you. yeah. So. I, I, I think that's a really good way to go. I mean, there's, there's mess, of course, the, uh, the multi- Something, something, something. <laughs> it's the one that emulates old computers yes. and calculators and stuff. <laughs> Other people know more about words than me. <laughs> and, um, but I do think that that's, that is just as, uh, as valid a way to go to make a, a gaming system as creating a, a standard main one. Um, and a lot of people uh, assemble their own arcade systems or if they're retrofitting something and use uh, a, a tank stick or an arcade dual as a platform. And sometimes that gets, that gets like, uh, people get sniffy about it. It's like, oh, why didn't you wire it up? And well, I do think wiring something up yourself, really cool and much easier than you might think. I think it's ridiculous to, to be sniffy or look down your nose at somebody who wants to um, use a, an arcade system. I feel like whatever floats your boat, dude, like make the cabinet you want to make. So I, I say that's totally awesome. Definitely, that's what I say. Definitely. Yep. And we did get uh, a couple of pieces of Twitter feedback here. <clears throat> oh, Twitter. From, yes, from um, Dr. Quest. Uh, Still like one of the best Twitter handles in the world. Yeah, Such a good handle. He's not allowed to listen to our show anymore. <laughs> uh, did you hear me, Chris? You're, you're not allowed to listen. No. <laughs> he, he, um, he tweeted uh, about our last show because I... I 
apparently wasn't nice enough to play choice 10. He says, once again, old man Mike does not like something that is not a traditional arcade game. I like your choice character. <laughs> what I like is that I'm actually three years older than Mike. <laughs> but I have, I was explaining to Mike off, off Mike that... Um, uh, well, I'm older than them. That's in metric years. I'm in Canada. Like when I cross the border, when I go south, I lose about six years on the uh, conversion. So I'm actually younger there. You just have that youthful exuberance. I, think. I no. do. I have a youthful glow about me. No, Chris, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I will point out that it wasn't that I didn't like uh, Play Choice 10. I just sort of questioned the wisdom of having it in an arcade setting, an arcade setting where you have the actual arcade versions available for people to play that was all i do think that's a valid criticism i, I was keener on the play choice 10 mostly because of goonies and i still and i still quite like it um but i totally get that as a as a valid point that you know sort of well what is the point of this if it's just an nes like why not just play arcade games so yep. i get that yeah um and he also said uh pretty sure your next game is crystal castles which brings us to our next game crystal castles wait we're we're not talking about the canadian electronic pop group there's a my my notes may be incomplete. I thought we were going a surprise way. <laughs> oh wait, no. I'll quickly no, that's research. A, that's that's a different <laughs> podcast, Carrington. Well, it is the case that when you search, if you just type Crystal Castles into Google, all the results you get are for a Canadian electronic experimental band <laughs> that has had three albums. Um, so I'm not sure if that says what that says about this game. Um, maybe it's just a really obscure one. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's that obscure. Yeah, it's just that I. this band took over, and the band is clearly named after the arcade. So totally unfair. Hmm. I say. Yes, uh, Carrington. Tell me about Crystal Castles. Crystal Castles is an arcade game, and it Thanks. inspired a band. That, no, it <laughs> uh, was from Atari. 1983. It came out. And is one of those ones where there was a project leader to it. FXL, he goes by Franz X Lazinger. And he's sort of the, the primary developer guy, I guess, behind it. And it is a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre game. It's a trackball-based game. So that was fun to use the trackball part of my X-Arcade tank stick, which, again, I am not digging that much. You play Bentley Bear, and Bentley Bear wants to run around and pick up gems on that are lying on the ground of various multi-level mazes that are in a... What do you call that? Isomorph isomorphic, I guess it is, when it's, everything's twisted like a little bit to the side and it's quasi 3D. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought. I, yeah. I saw it referred to in, in a, a review, I think, as um, trimetric. Okay, I can see that. I, I think of it as the, the sort of perspective that you get from the Fallout games. <laughs> so to me, it's mm. Fallout perspective. Right. So you're playing that. And, and so it's sort of... it's kind of like a little hints of pac-man and that you've got a character running around picking up dots it got hints of because and also because there's it's sort of a maze but really like they're multi-layered castles that have mazes in them but no no rooms or anything it's got elevators that move up and down but not an elevator action way they're more just sort of areas of things that slide up and down and, and get you access to other parts there are a number of enemies that you fight. The main ones are the gem eaters and um, some trees and these balls that glob things that chase you around. The gem eaters are weird. Weird for two reasons. They're they're sort of like um, eye stalks almost, like they're they're or, or bean stalks, like piles of green 
balls with an eye at the top and they they move around and when they land on one of the gems they they eat it and it once i noticed that the way they eat is to basically suck it up through their butt i couldn't unsee that <laughs> so because they land on it and then the gem goes upwards inside them so they're sort of eating backwards I, I, w- once you notice that you, you you can't just stop looking at the fact that that's what they're doing <laughs> so it was really strange for me and while they're in the middle of eating if you hit them you kill them versus if they're moving between gems or they're just walking around and you touch them then you die and you, you lose one of your bears and there's also a there's a witch um uh berthilda that you have to kill as well. You can only kill her when you've got the hat and there's bees that attack and they have a honeypot. Like it's a bit of a mess thematically. It's sort of like all over the place, but it's also fun. I think because of that, the controls are odd and frantic with this trap. You're moving your guy around the maze with a trackball. So it, it's a little bit like uh, that marble madness game in its controls, except you're controlling the ball you're controlling the bear directly. So instead of just, you know, pushing to make him slide, you're you're moving him with the trackball. So it's really fast motion, but I found the control a little strange. Um it's an odd game, Mike. This is an odd game you have selected this week. Yeah, it's to me it's you mentioned Marble Madness and it felt a lot like a cross between Pac-Man and Marble Madness. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what else to say about this game really. Um Well, one of the things I noticed was it's a game with because it, it has a, a, a strong lead designer, and I find when you have games like that, they put in quirks and personality things and cheats and warps and secrets. And, and this is a game that's full of those sorts of things. Like, And some I only read about. Also, speaking of which, just as an aside, reading about it messed me up again with these gem eaters because gem eater is written all as one word, G-E-M-E-A-T-E-R. So every time I read it, I pronounce it Geomator <laughs> because it looks like Geomator. It doesn't look like Gem Eater. need a hyphen in there. So the Geomators who eat through their butt. Very strange. So when your bear gets killed, Bentley Bear, um, he says a little word. It doesn't actually speak it, but it, it displays it. It says, like, ouch, or oh no, or a little swear thing like Kubert or bye Kubert or that style, kind of stuff. And right? I think it changes depending on how many bears you have left. So I think that's what's going on. I also read that the color scheme, it's a very vibrant, very colorful game. And it uses basically all the colors of the rainbow except orange. And I didn't notice orange was missing until I read it. And then I noticed, hey, there's no orange in this game. And that's like the only color you don't see. But oddly, each level is comprised of multiple castles or multiple sort of boards that you play. So you go through four boards and then you finish level one. Then you go through four boards and you finish level two. And I think there's 10 boards or 10 levels in total. And I only got as far as the end of level two. So the, the eighth board, but the levels two through six have their color schemes in a particular order, but every 100 played games on a given machine, the order changes. Like, it's a really odd, nobody would notice it until, unless you own the machine sort of Easter egg and like that, like those weird things and that kind of stuff. It also doesn't, it has, it has an end. Did you know that this is a game that ends? I didn't. No. Yeah. So if you get to the level, end of level 10, or if you can, um, the game finishes and, and like, that's it. Like that's the game and you get your score. So there's no kill screen and it's also not a game that goes on forever. It's a game that actually you play through the story and you get to the end of level 10 or, you know, supposedly like i could get there but suppose you get to, and then that's that's and then you get like a little picture or something you're supposed to displayed be displayed as your um as your reward but i never got to see it odd alas yeah yeah very odd 
there were a total of 5,380, <clears throat> excuse me, 5,380 units produced of this game. There are two different cabinets, an upright and a cocktail. Uh, the upright had a production run of 4,880, while the cocktail only had a production run of 500 units. That's not very many. No. I thought there was, I think there's three cabinets. Are there? Yeah, I th- where, where are you reading that? I think uh, that's wrong. I am on ArcadeHistory.com. Arcade History doesn't yeah. know what it's talking about. I've seen, personally, at least three different cabinets. Now, I think it could be, like because I've seen a cabaret. I've seen a mini cabinet, but it, maybe that was a conversion. So maybe it wasn't an official mini. I do know that there was both a regular cabinet and a conversion kit. And the regular cabinet, its sort of claim to fame was the, the actual trackball. The trackball glows, so which is really... Um, you know, fitting for the whole picking up glowing gems theme of the game. So that's kind of exciting. So I think, you know, that's neat. And then also there was the conversion kit, which would just use a regular trackball. And, but I've definitely seen a, um, both a, 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 a large scale standalone machine with the glowing and without the glowing trackball. I've seen cabarets, the little mini ones, and I've seen um, cocktail cabinets. So. I, th- I think you're lying. Uh, almost certainly I am lying. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, the game used an M6502 at 1.5 megahertz for its main CPU, two uh, Atari Pokey sound chips, at, each at 1.25 megahertz. Uh, and as you mentioned, it used a trackball and a mm-hmm. single jump button. Did you know the game was originally going to be an Asteroids game? I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be a variation of Asteroids. The working title was Toporoids from the Topographics and Asteroids combined together. Oh, um, that's why. I thought it was a weird name. Yeah. It featured, okay. features a one-legged robot and or a spaceship in a 3D <laughs> maze lined with asteroids, and the goal was to shoot them. Now, were there enemy aliens, and would they suck up food through their butt? Because to uh, me, that's a big part of this game. <laughs> I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> The character Bentley Bear was originally named Braveheart Bear um, and oh. appears as such in the prototypes, but Atari got in trouble with Native Americans over that, apparently. Oh, is that a thing? Uh, I guess it is. I don't know. Oh, I did not know that. No. Oh, well, okay. I only knew it as Bentley Bear. I'm so very, I'm very white. I know nothing about Native Americans. Um, I'm, I'm actually just really pale, oh, like super, super burst into flames pale. Yeah. Uh, the game is programmed in Fortran and compiled on no. 6502. Yes. Wow, you know a lot of trivia about this game that I do not know. I'm on ArcadeHistory.com. They oh. know a lot of <laughs> trivia about this game. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? I knew there's a hat in the game, and it makes you uh, invulnerable for like a couple of seconds. That's the kind of stuff I know. Uh, as you mentioned, um, FXL was the main programmer of mm-hmm. the game. His uh, initials appear, of course, in the high score list. And another set of initials is MEC. This stood for Mark Cerny, who was the developer of Marvel Madness at, at Atari. Ah, okay. So, so there you go. Yes. Uh, the official record is currently held by Frank C S E A Y S E A Y, and this why because <laughs> we like we him. love him, uh, <laughs> no, and his like his record is nine hundred ten thousand seven hundred twenty two points. That's a lot of points. And also, um, I guess there must be real competition to sort of get the high score here because it is a fixed length game. You get 10 levels and that's what you get. Indeed. So there must be ways to – because the like the gems, um, since you've got those gem eaters walking around sucking up ga- gems, and I won't again <laughs> mention where they, they come into, but because of that – 
each board gets worth less and less points to you or fewer and fewer points to you because the they're taking away potential things you, that you can gobble up. So I guess speed must be part of it because um, you're getting a bonus based on time as well. But the longer you spend on a board, not only will those stinking bees come down to attack you if you wait too long. Also, the board itself is becoming worth fewer points because the the, the gemiators are <laughs> taking, taking them away. Oh, you know what? I, I found a I found a secret myself. Well, not really a secret, but a, a a weird thing in this game that I guess must be on purpose that I've never seen in any other video game ever. Which is that when you like like I said, when the gem eaters are are digesting a gem, you can touch them and you will you will get uh, uh, they'll die instead of you and you'll get points. You can also like. When you when you pick up the hat, you get points. When you pick up the honey jar, you get points. When when you kill the witch, which you sort of need the invulnerability thing to, you get points. And the points are displayed as a little bonus thing right on the screen. Like right, you, you'll gobble the people up, and it'll you get say five hundred points. It'll put a little red five hundred right there on the screen. So like right where you're looking. Normally not a big deal. Lots of games do that, but in this case, those numbers are interactive with the game. Like they block sprites. So if you go and get 500 points, you can back away, and then your actual point score hovering there stops enemies from being able to reach you. That's weird. Totally totally bizarre. So they must be implemented like as a sprite. But I started using that to my advantage. I'd grab one and say, ah, suckers, the rest of you can't get me, and I'll gobble up a bunch of gems over here. It's totally bizarre. Now, did you find the warps? I, I read about the warps. There's a warp on the first page, or the first screen that lets you go to screen five or something. Was, but- the first one takes you to level three. Oh, okay. Yep. And Which then, is farther than I actually got, so I guess I should have taken that warp. <laughs> well, in the second level, the second warp will take you to level five, um, and the third warp is on level five, and it will take you to level seven. Okay, so how do you actually implement the warps? Well, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, the, the, <laughs> I heard it was something about a no, tunnel so, and jumping or something, well, but so I didn't the, actually read the, it. The first warp is behind the, the palace uh, on the upper right-hand corner of the first board. If you go there and jump, you jump to level three. Okay, so um, it's sort of like hidden warps. Right, and the second Got warp, it. you have to get the hat, run to an elevator, go back to the back corner of the hidden ramp, um, and jump just before the hat expires. See, even describing this tells people what a wacky sort of game this yes. is. Okay, get the hat, go to a hidden elevator, <laughs> go up, jump in this spot. I mean, that's like, it's very, it, it's kind of like Nintendo-y in that, in that it's got, you know, hidden warps and grab the hat and jump over things. And, right. and you can you can jump over stuff to stun them, like these trees and things. And it's a it's an odd, odd mix of games. Yes. Now, this the second warp will give you four additional lives and it will take you level five. The final warp is on the third screen of level five of the Crossroads map. Each of these maps, by the way, has a different name. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is an e- a lot easier than that second one was to find. You just move to the upper left corner and jump. And that takes you to the first screen of level seven and gives you four more spare lives. Okay. See, again, that's the kind of thing you get when there is a sort of a single designer force behind a game. Like, they'll throw in stuff like that. I, I find in general, there's more Easter eggs and more quirky stuff like that when it's one dude's game. Well, and there are also a couple of Easter eggs that, that don't necessarily help you with your play. Uh, if you jump at least 128 times in the front right corner of any maze, the next what? maze is fully drawn from the beginning will have the, word, the string of words Atari stretched across the middle of the screen. I don't think I'd have time to jump that many (laughs) times because you're going to get killed by something. And finally, on level five, uh, Bertilda's Bertilda's Palace, you grab the hat and enter the large door where Bertilda is. You run over her, you get 3,000 points, and then head to the corner of the room where she was and jump. The initials FXL will appear in the lower right-hand corner of the screen. 
I thought it should have been Bear Tilda instead of Bert Tilda. There oh, should be an A in there. Maybe so. Yeah. No, no, but it's not. It's spelled oh. without the A, but it was bugging me. I see. Because I died a few. The farthest I could get was Board 8, which is Bertilda's fortress. And so I kept seeing her name on the screen I would die on. <laughs> and so it's, I started to have time to think about it and why I think it, there should have been an A, because all the bear stuff and the honey. And, and ne- ne- uh, <clears throat> neither you nor I saw this, but when you win the game, a message appears that says, I give up, you win. You must be, and then there's a number of things that you must be. So if you have one <laughs> life left, you're amazingly good. If you have two, you're ridiculously good. If you have three, you're fantastically good. If you have four lives left, you're very good. For five, oh. an expert, and for six, a video whiz. That doesn't seem to be in the right order. No. Like, very I, good. Uh, if you've got four lives left, you're, you you're, should be you're then... only very good, not fantastically yeah. good. That's um, all. You're a cheater, it should say. <laughs> you also get points for time. Uh, the time bonus. For every four seconds of gameplay, you lose 1,000 points on your bonus. You, okay. The bonus time starts at 200,000. Um, and so that... So it's it's saying here if you if you play a five minute game you'll have a time bonus of one hundred twenty five thousand five minute game whatever <laughs> for every life you lose you also lose a thousand in time bonus right I never lasted that long <laughs> my games are like two minutes at most I fly through this game well you, and then die uh, you lasted longer than I did Carrington Ooh. so it's time to compare scores oh I'll tell you my score Mike oh, I couldn't. I couldn't get 100,000. I kept thinking, I kept thinking you must have three or 400,000, but no matter oh, no. what I did, <laughs> I would get in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. The highest I ever got was 96,306 points, which was just on level two, but it, w- but it was the end of level two, so it's board eight of level two. Um, I made it to that board a number of times, but could never get past the stupid thing. Those little chase balls that chased me around got me every single time. Uh. What about you, Mike? What'd you uh, do? Well, you more than doubled my score, Carrington. Woo-hoo! Uh, yes, this time we're playing for money. <laughs> I, I got a total of 43,408 points. Uh, I win. Which got me about halfway through level two. Okay, so, so wow. So I was collecting a lot of points. I, I, got even though the, I, was... I got through the first four castles and halfway through the second ones. Right, so the I think first you, couple I think are really, really easy. Did, did well on the bonuses as well. I did find yeah. it weird that, that my score ended in an eight. Most video game scores end with like a 10 or 50 or 100. Yeah, no, on this, often I would have scores that would have like, you can get like individual points and, and weird numbers and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I frequently had points that were ending in one and five and just like all over the place. So, yeah, this, yeah my score this time ended up in six. This game is very odd, uh, but charming. Yes. I, I did enjoy it a lot. Yep, um, yep. I had a great time And I like that the, the, there's the, the map is sort of all laid out. Like you got this huge world map in a sense. And when you finish one castle, one board, you then slide across that world to the next board and they're not always like in a row it seems you sort of slide around it felt kind of weird yeah so but that would it gave me a sense of the scale of the game so i, I like that a lot i think this game lost a lot by not playing it on the on a real um real cabinet because I, I think the glowing trackball would make uh be, be a really integrated part like i think i i want the glowing trackball score, it's something you score I would check go up out. if you had the glowing trackball. absolutely <laughs> well it would be i i, I find the x arcade trackball is not super Super. Um, I'm going to blame it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about that for a minute. You've mentioned a couple times that you're not very happy with your XRK. I'm not very happy with my XRK. Well, it's my borrowed. There? It's not even mine. I'm not very happy with Jessica's <laughs> XRK tank stick. That'll show you, Jessica, <laughs> lending me stuff. Like, um, I don't know. Like, the, I I think maybe I have it mapped wrong hmm. on on Mame. Like, I just basically plugged it in and thought Mame, a modern install of Mame. I'm on the latest version of Mame. 
should just know how to work this thing or the tank stick should be set up default to work with it but it's kind of not like it, it's set up that your left and rights emulate the 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 number pad instead of the the um the arrow keys and so it doesn't work when you do the i had to, I had to remap the whole stupid thing well, and i find all the time the the trackball is just not recognized by games xgaming.com actually has a, a config file that you can download specifically for mame to, to work with these, these sticks i think i did, did you? okay okay i think it's still not working right hmm. i don't know mame is a finicky beast it is indeed um, on with the show. I think I need a new front end as well. I wonder if anybody can write in and recommend. Like, a, I'm using the default no front end, no graphical interface name at the moment, where you just type the. Oh, wow. and I think I need something command line. funky. Command line, I'm yeah. using the command line. I think I got to put a front end on this. I think it'll be a more fun experience. I uh, on the net, I see all these other people using these amazing GUIs that are their front ends for for Mame, and I think that would add a lot to the experience. So I can get when I'm looking when I'm choosing the game, I want to see the the art for the game or a screen or something like that. I don't see any of that. I just type in a I type in characters and hit return. <laughs> it's not it's not a really great experience. Yeah, I, I use Mame UI 64. You might check okay. that one out. I'm sure we'll and get we, suggestions too. Would you recommend that? I would. Yes, yes. You can get download art packs and flyer packs and things like that, and uh, okay, really, really uh, improve your experience that way. Uh, Crystal Castles was released on many different consoles and home computers of the day, uh, including the, the Apple II. I, I have played the Apple II version, yes. so I know that one exists. And the and the the, the play is very similar. I, I don't mm-hmm. think the graphics, but are the, as the graphics were kind of crappy. I thought, yeah. um, at least at the time, because I, I think I remembered the the arcade graphics so when i played them on the apple II, i found them sort of disappointing but it's you know a, a much less powerful system but the the gameplay was sort of the same except again i had no trackball yep uh it's included in uh the one of the atari flashbacks um and i think uh, the google play store you can get it and play it in your browser uh obviously it's uh, been released uh, <clears throat> excuse me obviously atari has released it on pretty much every arcade hits compilation and anniversary right. compilation that they've ever put out um, there was an Atari 2600 version. Uh, there was an, uh, a version that was developed for the Atari 7800, but that was never released. Um, and then PlayStation, Dreamcast, Xbox, PlayStation 2, the Nintendo DS, and as I said, the, the home computers of the day. I think there was um, a two-color version in, for the ZX Spectrum as well. I think I've seen that one, whereas the, the BBC Micro, I think, had the best-looking version, if I remember like better than like the C64, better than any of them. Like for some reason, the BBC Micro had really spectacular. If if I'm remembering it correctly, I think it had really really good graphics for this one. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You'd, the, you'd mentioned the BBC Micro, the Commodore 64, the the ZX Spectrum. <laughs> never ZX Spectrum. <laughs> never heard of it. The Apple II, the 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 Tandy Coco, the Atari ST, the Amstrad, CPC, the Atari 800, and various versions of Windows. Cool. And unless you have anything else to add, I think that pretty much wraps up everything we have to say about Crystal Castles. No, it's an, it's an, it's a it's a game I like. You know, I like trackball games. Uh, I think a lot of those ports, whether or not they had great graphics, are still going to suffer from the fact they don't play them on a trackball. This game is designed to be played on a trackball and whip around with it. Like it, not using a trackball is not going to work nearly as well. I think. Indeed. So, like a lot of trackball games. So, if you are going to check it out, listeners, uh, I strongly recommend you find some sort of trackball solution to do so, or just head on down to Fun Spot, and I'm sure they have a have a version there. But it's a game I would recommend. It's quirky. It's different. I I like the fact that there's the ten levels, and sort of sort of got a not really a story, but got a path you can take, and so it's something that I think I would like to. 
it, it's you know it's it's a game that I would take as a, a stand up arcade if I had more space I would actually buy this enough if I could pick it up for like a hundred dollars <laughs> but like but it's a, I actually weirdly enjoyed this game enough that I would consider it as something I would include in like a if I could only have ten or twenty machines i would actually pick this yeah uh, i don't know that this makes my top 10 but i certainly enjoyed it more than i thought that i would um and i would recommend it yeah yeah and those uh just looking at those guys eating with their butts you know that could entertain me for hours that's really all you need you're just a simple <laughs> creature carrington <laughs> yeah, indeed. so what is this simple creature going to play next week mike well here you go carrington Okay, and I think that pretty much wraps up this week's show. We are wrapped up like a chicken fajita, baby. (laughs) All right, Carrington. Thank you for podcasting with me. Well, thank you. See you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback to the show can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. (laughs) 